lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. And you are you. Let us know what you think about what we think. You can do so by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, at least for now. Uh, Look for Steve Dace on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, Gab. Look for my voice to recover. Uh, You can also follow me on Twitter for now, at Steve Dace Show, or just head over to Getter. I still don't have... A truth social account yet. Seriously. I still don't. I still don't. And is Trump even posted on that site yet? Do you guys know? Let me look him up real quick. Because okay. I do. You I do? do have an account. Okay, I still don't. Not All to right. brag. I still don't. But <laughs> weird flex, bro, but I respect it. Real right. Donald Trump. He has actually. Yeah, how often is he is he posting? Uh, he, I almost said tweeted. How he, often is he, he posting? Tr- he truthed a month ago. Uh, you want to read? You want me to read this? Uh, get ready, your pre- your favorite president will see you soon. That was a month ago. That was a month ago. All right. So <laughs> that that I you know I'm I'm starting to wonder. You know I had been pretty bullish on this. Yes. After I did the beta about three, four, five, six months ago. But the uh, the the launch of this thing, you know, uh, it can't be for a lack of resources. You know what I'm saying here? This isn't a, uh, this isn't a startup. This is one of the wealthiest, most powerful men on the planet. So now we're just talking about lack of competence, right? It can't be a lack of resources or anything of that nature. It's just got to be a lack of competence, and or caring. Uh, that's another form of oversight. Competence. I'm starting to think I thought this was going to be the Fox News of social media sites. I'm now starting to think it might be the Trump wine or Trump steaks of social media sites, which is probably and I'm probably not alone, which is why out of nowhere over the weekend, Elon Musk tweeted out. Now, is he technically the richest man in the world right now? He is. Yep. Is he? All right. Yep. Uh, he tweeted out, uh, you know, maybe it's time for me essentially to launch my own platform to compete with Twitter. What do you think? It's a Twitter poll, right? And apparently he has actually committed serious resources and stuff to these kinds of Twitter polls in the past when he's gauged public opinion, right? Well, we're going to discuss in the overtime whether we think that's a good idea or not, because I don't. I, I, I think he should just buy Twitter. Why, why create an entirely new in, in infrastructure? You know, maybe that's just the dude in me, but I'm kind of one of my favorite moments in all of human history. Uh, is um, I, I think it was Cyrus who sent the uh, the the cable. Well, they didn't have cable back then. Uh, sent the messenger uh, to Alexander the Great. I think he was the head of the Medio Persian Empire at the time, uh, and and sent a and sent a messenger to Alexander the Great and said, "Hey, you know, we are the two most powerful men in the world. We don't have to fight. We can split this thing up, and I'll even let you choose which of my daughters you would like to have as as a wife." And Alexander sent his messenger back with this singular message. Why would I share with you what is already mine? And when I get there, I'll decide 
which or how many of your daughters I will take as a wife myself. Now that's what I'm talking about, right? To me, if I'm Elon Musk, why would I create something new? Why wouldn't I just buy Twitter? What's more satisfying? Creating something new and all the hassles and the marketing and everything else and all the systems are just buying them and then their lamentations of their resumes that, may, that they must update as you purge their ranks and get to fire them all personally. If I had that kind of money, I'd be doing stuff like that. You know oh, what I'm saying? Plus for my psychological health, <clears throat> Steve, you know how cranky I get when I like have to add another streaming service or something. I can't have multiple social media things. I just need can just buy Twitter, make this easy on me. It's about like if me. I wanted if I had that kind of money and I wanted to start like the ultimate conservative organization, I would not like create it new. You ever been over to the Heritage Foundation's facilities there in DC, guys? No. Pretty posh. Yeah. Pretty posh. Okay. I mean, they're the OG of conservative organizations, right? I'm just going to buy them. And then I'll give the litmus test of who I think has the stones for the level of warfare we're about to engage in. And if you have it, you get to stay. And if you don't, you know, here's a set of steak knives. I mean, that's what I would do if I had that kind of money. Why set yourself up as a potential rival when you can conquer right out of the gate? Exactly. Exactly. So we'll get into this today in the overtime for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. We're going to record it right after the show today. And then you'll get to watch it uh, if you're a Blaze TV subscriber when we get it uploaded later today at blazetv.com slash dace. And if you're not, blazetv.com slash dace is where you can go in order to become one. Quick postscript on the Will Smith conversation yesterday. If I needed any further confirmation that my take on this was correct, um, and I didn't, but I received it nevertheless. Yesterday, the Academy announced they are reconsidering whether to allow Will Smith to keep his Academy Award. Now, keep in mind, this is an institution that gave special recognition to Roman Polanski, who cannot re-enter the country because he sodomized a girl. Uh, Who stood and applauded, I mean, how many years did Harvey Weinstein movies win Oscars and Academy Awards? When it was an open secret, what he was doing there on the casting couch the entire time, correct? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, those are just two obvious examples, but I mean, we could pick um, a, a, a menagerie, a plethora of moral choices that they had no problem whatsoever endorsing. But when a guy gets up and pimp slaps another dude for insulting his wife, that's the one though. That's the one that might cause you to lose your Academy Award. That's the place you go. That's the place you go. Huh. So, I'm still right. You're still wrong. Elsewhere on the show here today, uh, Pop Culture Tuesday has, we think, a positive announcement. Karen may have announced over the weekend, quietly and unofficially, of course, but confirmationally by her actions that COVID stand is officially over in the United States. This might be the, this might be the closest thing to it all clear we're ever going to see. And I will explain coming up here at the bottom of the hour at the top of next hour, we have fake news or not. And then our good friend, Josh hammer 
uh, who is the op-ed page editor over at Newsweek and also uh, clerked on the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. He'll join us about Judge Jackson, the Supreme Court confirmation hearings, and why didn't we let the Wolves have uh, Brett Kavanaugh when we had the choice, right? We'll get to all those things and more coming up here later today. But first, we begin, as always, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Good News. The bill in Florida that would ban teachers from discussing gender ideology with grade schoolers was signed into law yesterday by Governor Ron DeSantis, who apparently is unfazed by the cacophony of narrative spinning from big business, corporate media and left wing politicians. But we repeat ourselves. We will continue to recognize that in the state of Florida, parents have a fundamental role in the education, health care, and well-being of their children. We will not move from that. I don't care what corporate media outlets say. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what big corporations say. Here I stand. I'm not backing down. DeSantis also responded to the last gasp of Hollywood during the Oscars to oppose the anti-grooming bill. You know, the one thing I'll say about that is if the people who held up degenerates like Harvey Weinstein up as exemplars and as heroes and as all that. If those are the types of people that are opposing us on parents' rights, I wear that like a badge of honor. The Walt Disney Corporation immediately came out with a statement dissing the bill and vowing to fight it to the death, either in the courts or through the legislature again. Oregon Governor Kate Brown also came out as pro-groomer. Hi there, Governor Kate Brown here. In Oregon, we say gay. Meanwhile, in D.C., during a rare Q&A session between Joe Biden and reporters, one photographer caught a glimpse of Biden's prepared notes for the Q&A session titled, Tough Putin Q&A Talking Points. One of the answers he was supposed to read was responding to the question of regime change that he called for last weekend. All he had to do was read the answer. Here's how that went down. Are you worried that other leaders in the world are going to start to doubt that America is back if some of these big things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back? What's getting walked back? It made it sound like, just in the last couple of days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia, and we know... None of the three occurred. None of the three occurred? None of the three. In other news, Real Clear Politics is reporting on some new peer-reviewed research purporting to show as many as 368,000 quote-unquote excess votes for Joe Biden in the 2020 election in six swing states, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Biden only carried those states by a total of 313,000 votes. The new research is set to be published at the journal Public Choice. Here's celebrity Kathy Griffin, who tweeted a photo of herself with a bandage on her arm. Fourth booster expletive. Oh, and CVS gave us eight free COVID tests for getting boosted. And now this. Brad Wilcox of the University of Virginia is a noted researcher, professor of sociology, and the director of the National Marriage Project. According to new research he worked on and wrote about at Deseret News, women who stated they were the most happy were also those who self-identified as very feminine. Those same females also self-reported themselves as being strong and likely to take charge. They were also the ones most likely to marry and say they have fulfilling marriages. 
In other words, the happiest and strongest women, according to this research, are the ones who actually know what being a woman is. And finally, Steve's new man crush, Alex Stein, struck again at the Plano, Texas City Council meeting. But you guys are going to sit here and you're not going to take me seriously. You're going to laugh at me. I'm trying to compete. And yes, I was born a boy. So what, guys? This is 2022. It doesn't matter what you're born. We have Kintaji Brown Jackson even says she doesn't even know what a woman is. So then I'm a woman. So that's what you guys have to do. If the Supreme Court justice is on my side, then why can't I get the same from the Plano City Council? That's the problem is I come here and I'm still a victim of transphobia. Yet we have champions like my girl Leah, my sister, and she is she gets to win. But I don't. Why not? That's I'm asking you, why not? Why can't I swim against the ladies? Why are we having a transphobic world where I just want to compete against the ladies? Why are you saying that I'm not a biological woman? Clearly, I look like a biological woman. I mean, come on. It's been hours tucking this thing in. Give me a break. I should be able to swim. And I'm on so much hormone therapy, I don't even know left or right anymore. So I'm doing this. I don't have an unfair advantage. No way. So I need you guys to stand up. We have a city issue, Rick, and we can have actually fix this and let me compete against the ladies. I'm sick of these women. Oh, you're, you're having unfair advantage. Yeah, right. And I'm mentally ill and they won't even let me compete in the Special Olympics. So go figure. And that's what happened while we were away. I have to give Alex credit for what might be the most impressive humble brag <laughs> I have heard ever. And is certainly the humble brag of the year when he dropped. I spent hours tucking all of this in. I, I see what you did there, brother. I'm feeling, well, I shouldn't actually no, attach no, no, that. No, no, no. Uh, no, So let's not go Put that far. Breaks, just yep. a couple words earlier. Yeah, I, but I should have just, I'm just going to stop at, I see what you did there. And we're just going to move on. All right. The other day, somebody stopped me and they were like, hey, I really like your glasses. And I was like, well, thank you. And if you like them, um, you can get something uh, just like them or even better with our friends over at Better Spectacles. These are German engineered rodent stock frames available for mass distribution here in the U.S. for the first time. It's a century and a half old company, maybe the world's uh, gold standard uh, when it comes to uh, optometry, over 500 patents. And now they can put them on your problematic prescriptions like mine. I'm a little far and a little near. That's what happens when you get older and you stare at screens every day for as long as we do in this uh, in this line of work, or many of us do, frankly, given modern society. So whether it's a problematic prescription or a simple one, our friends at Better Spectacles, they can hook you up right now. Uh, schedule a teleoptical appointment. You don't have to leave your house. You'll get the same uh, expert optician uh, consultation that you get if you stopped into one of their locations around the country and they're offering you right now a 61% introductory offer to get you started. Plus, they throw in the rodent stock frames for free. 61% off in the rodent stock frames for free when you visit betterspectacles.com slash Steve. That's betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Let's go to the montage. Um, the The peer-reviewed study that Aaron cited, John Lott is someone I've interviewed several times over the years, and the dude, particularly when it has come to um, gun violence, gun crime, gun ownership, etc., but the dude is a researcher, uh, data guy extraordinaire. So um, he is a bring the receipts kind of guy. Uh, And so we're going to get him on the show. I think it's next week. A week from today. A week fact. from today. Uh, that's the soonest we could get him uh, to to go over that study and its details. So uh, put a bookmark there. There's no point in us analyzing it. 
until we get a chance to actually talk to the guy who's the architect of it. But that is coming up. Uh, and so that uh, pay attention to that here on the show. One of the more, you know, I know Shakespeare is credited with coining this phrase hundreds of years ago, but one of the more strange, you know, the whole idea that politics makes for strange bedfellows. One of the strangest bedfellows I have seen in, in, in my time working full time in politics and even, you know, looking back as a guy who just loves to being a layman historian to study the history of politics. It, so I think it's one of the strangest coalition divides in, in American history. Trump's a racist. Trump's a Nazi. Trump's a fascist. But inject his experimental jab into my veins repeatedly versus Trump got robbed. I wish he was president now. I can't wait for him to be president again. Trump for Evs. I'm not taking that jab over my dead body. It is... It's one of the strangest bedfellow coalition breakdowns, cognitive dissonances. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know what you're saying. I, I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't even know if I can make sense of it. You know, I. I can totally get. Trump got robbed. He did. They stole the election. Um. I wish he was president still. Well, I mean, I, I think all three of us would rather have him making decisions right now over whatever, yes. whoever's actually making decisions over there yes. at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue right now. Correct. Yes. Right. And I was, it took me, I needed to see more data to get there. I'm convinced they're poison. I, I don't think anybody over the, under the age of 80, which is the human, you know, average American lifespan at this point, or someone who is like boy in the bubble level immunocompromised should be getting any of these injections and certainly not another round of them like ever i mean i went from this time last year telling my mom who's severely immunocompromised i think you should give it a shot to i mean i'm telling everybody i know right now uh, based on all the data i have including data that i'd get banned for sharing with you no i, I don't think anybody should take them but then I want the guy who made the decision to put that vehicle into motion and has been shown no remorse about it. And in fact, has you know been a big pharma salesman. I can't wait for him to be back in there again. That's that cognitive dissonance. I don't understand. I, I don't understand that. And I really don't understand. This guy's terrible. Hitler, literally Hitler, in fact. But I'm 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 so glad that his concoction will be repeatedly injected into my veins. And if anything were to happen, I, there's no accountability whatsoever against the corporations that I claim to hate because I'm a Democrat. But I really don't. I'll just do whatever they tell me to do. Like at least on the on the other side, I understand like three fourths of that intellectual equation. I just I don't understand the final fourth, which is. I can't wait until the guy that came up with what he thinks is the crowning achievement of his presidency is poison. I can't wait for him to make decisions like that again. That, that's the part I don't understand. 
right? I don't understand any of the parts of the other one. Like, like none of them compute to me. Can you make sense of this at all? Because I don't, I, it, none of it makes any sense to me at all. No, but this is the culture of the magical power of vaccines. That's the only Once, explanation is, 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 is your tagline where that's concerned that I could think of. Yeah, yeah because it, you need a totally different set of eyes to see and ears. It's not the In other wrong- words, people just lose their damn minds once the, there's a group of people that just lose their damn minds once the word gets confirmed in the ether is what you're saying. Yes. And critical thinking just gets abandoned. Yes. Okay. I, you know, I kind of doubted that going into this, but I don't doubt it anymore. I mean, yeah, but- You've won me over on that. This is this is me repaying you for total depravity. Okay, but it's not even my I'm, word. I'm, I completely agree with you on this now I, because I witnessed it. You, you, you more than that, you lived it. That's the thing. What you you had no choice. Everybody was thrust in to the entire world that I, for whatever reasons I did, chose to engage a while ago. You, and everybody has been given honestly on this particular issue. It's been bruising, but we've been given a gift on this issue because it goes way beyond the COVID vaccine. It, 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 as and as Steve, I know you know because of uh, things we have going on on the side. Uh, what many people are saying about this, big pharma in general, how it does its business, its bottom line has nothing to do with your well-being. No, I, that's pretty obvious. The behavior of the of the president over the weekend, um, it, it's not even disgraceful because he's you're not talking about a competent human, you're not talking about somebody in their right mind. Uh, it's dangerous, really. I mean, we had to get rid of mean tweets so we could put in there a guy who, on multiple occasions over this past weekend, um, off his meds, had to be walked back by his own nursing staff. Because he was literally provoking World War III. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I mean, props to white suburban women. Clearly, you guys thought this one all the way through, and I mean, you stuck the landing on this one. So, um. Uh, <sighs> It's not gaslighting, I don't think, really. Even though, it, well, Aaron's right. It is by the strict definition of the term. I don't think he's mentally capable of it. We're talking about a guy where they they wrote down on a on a card. Did you guys see this? Yeah. They, they wrote on a card what his yeah. answers were to be to questions, and he couldn't. He can't even follow that. I, I just think you're just dealing with cranky old man out of a nursing home. I, I mean. I, so it is gaslighting by the traditional definition, but I don't think mentally oh. he is capable of it. Oh, it's not gaslighting. He really believes that none of those three things happened. That's I, what I mean. And and he doesn't. I don't. I don't think he even knows he was in Poland. I completely agree with that. I wholeheartedly agree. I completely agree. So that, I don't that's think it's the, fair to call it gaslighting. Yeah, I, it is by it, it is it is as a standalone process. Sure, sure. But with him as the author, I I just think it's just dangerous. There, there's somebody you wouldn't issue a driver's license to speaking on behalf of a nation of 330 million people. That's a problem, isn't it? It's a huge problem. But it, but you got rid of the mean tweet, so I guess the trade-off is okay. The, the, We're just going to make everybody mad here. The, <laughs> but the dementia isn't, is just the ancillary. 
issue on all of this. Before that is the Joe Biden and clearly his his wife and everybody else. And this is not even unique to Democrats. It's the people who enter this world and ultimately will say and do and be anything and once you've already arrived there and you had dementia on top of that yes. you're the perfect weapon for yeah. somebody else to uh, use that's even more dangerous yes yeah and sobering the old magic we cannot run away from it no matter how enlightened we pretend to be the laws of nature at nature's god remain fully in effect no matter what latest craven whim we have conjured down here on this fallen world and when we break that natural law it ends up breaking us that's essentially what this study from bradley wilcox's mm-hmm. foundation confirms is that women who are the most comfortable and confident being actual women are the happiest at the exact same time and, and the f- most prosperous and the most fulfilled and on and on and on and on it goes and i think the important thing is also feel the strongest see that's what people confuse definitely about feminism and de- about this trans stuff about how this is empowering trust me those people feel so weak all the time and then they lash out as what they it's a faux version of strength there's no authentic feeling but, of but, strength but you don't understand that if you if you get exactly. rid of the biblical complementarianism exactly. if you don't understand that even more than sexual gratification the deepest need your husband has is your respect that you respect him to 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 us to give him approval for the decisions he makes the actions he takes, the stances that he takes. That is the deepest need. Even deeper than sexual gratification is respect. That's why it's a biblical commandment. And when a husband feels as if his wife respects him that way, she first of all wields enormous power in in determining whether to grant that respect. And then the amount of power and influence she wields once that respect is confirmed, he won't make any major decisions without your counsel because he deeply desires your approval more than anyone else's here on earth. But we, we've lost these notions. Yes. We, we got rid of them, you know, for a Betty Friedan book and uh, to help Oprah build a win, an empire on what was best for women while forsaking the two most primary natural roles for a woman on earth, wife and mom. Did I say exclusive or only? No. No, but I did I say primary? Yes. Yeah, they are that. They're not exclusive, they're not only, but they are the primary roles for a woman on earth. And she excluded herself from those things by choice and yet became the, the symbol of American womanhood for a generation. And here we are with women seemingly unhappier than they've ever been. And now men are about to replace you as women. Notice it never goes the other way. No. no. Brittany Griner is the, most, is the only college basketball player on the women's side ever to have 2,000 points and 700 blocks. It's pretty most, good. Yeah. Dunking regularly in the middle of games. The, by far the most physically imposing presence we've ever seen in women's basketball. She wouldn't even be a walk-on for the 15th seeded St. Peter's basketball team. She wouldn't even get on the on the roster as a walk-on. So that's why this only works one way. Men who can't cut it as men have decided, you know, this this is like this. It's not even that they're erasing you. Our colleague Sidney Watson, I think, has eloquently described it as that. They're patronizing you. This is a liar Thomas is telling you by the fact I'm 462nd in my own gender, so let me come over here and win by two full minutes. He is laughing at you. He's mocking you. He is telling you how inferior he believes that you are. And in the end, all feminism has done, done 
is is confirmed. All feminism in the rainbow jihad accomplished was confirming that indeed men are physically superior. That's all that they proved. That's all that they did. It was a half a century of activism just to bring us back to a point that we knew that even the Druids knew. We knew pre-Christendom. We knew this. That's all they did. Finally, there's Ron DeSantis. Can you think of a Republican in any elected office anywhere? Ron DeSantis is the policy manifestation of the themes and talking points that we we crafted and ran on for the Ted Cruz 2016 campaign. They're not theoretical now. He just does this stuff and doesn't care. Has anyone taken more scalps and inflicted more casualties on the enemy in elected office as a Republican anywhere in America in the last, say, 30 years? Closest might be Scott Walker. And that's a long ways away. But that was on one issue. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this guy's done it in, in three years. Can you think of anything? And I can't think of anybody else that has done what this guy has done. No, and it's been so, I remember a while back, more than a year ago, we started having these conversations and my concern was sustainability. Uh, and that's how, because that's how you'd know it was natural or mm-hmm. not. Yeah. And I, like I'm now. I'm starting to wonder if this guy... I've gone the other way. Is he a fictional creature? Is Florida a real place? (laughs) He picks fights before they actually become visible. He comes up with narratives and talking points, him and his team do, in response to the spirit of the age that after I read them, I'm like, man, he thought of that before I even thought this was an issue. I've never seen anything like this. But hey, Trump got a hole in one yesterday. So that's cool. We were just talking about uh, Governor DeSantis standing up for parental rights in Florida. Our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, they have been standing up for parental rights uh, as well for many years in the judicial arena. And of course, as you continue to see the TikTok videos of teachers anxious to groom your children, demonically anxious to groom your children and more, it never has been more needed than now. Uh, to push back and stand for those parental rights. If you want to help Alliance Defending Freedom to do that, keep in mind they represent all of their clients pro bono, which means that they get by on tax-deductible donations from people like us. I've donated to Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, and if you are interested in this fight, I'd urge you to do the exact same thing. Go to ADF, ADF for Alliance Defending Freedom, adflegal.org slash Steve. Make your tax-deductible donation today. They take these cases all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. adflegal.org slash Steve. Again, adflegal.org slash Steve. So I think I, I, I said all of the last two years, we would never get an all clear. They'd never officially come out and tell us that we would have to force it on them with our anger disdain for these policies, our increasing unwillingness to comply with them, that they would just kind of begin to, they, they would piecemeal um, the uh, Homer Simpson gif retreat into the bushes, right? Yeah. Well, that all proved to be true. It's just they, they didn't really piecemeal this. They kind of just did most of it all at one time, except for if you go on an airplane still, but pretty much everywhere else, these things, you know, it's like we exist now in a pre-COVID earth. Fair? 
at least pre-COVID America, I should say. So as we get to Pop Culture Tuesday, and this is when we look at the intersection each week between pop culture and conservatism, we may have gotten the closest we're ever going to get to an all clear. Now, the words were never said, and it's subtle, but I think it is quite telling. So I've got a movie coming out likely later this year, right? The nefarious plot film. So I've been following theatrical trends. We're figuring out how are we going to release the film? Do we, we've had major movie studios come to us and with uh, an offer to partner in distributing the film. Do we want to go to streaming? What are, you know, what, what are customer habits? And, And we didn't make this decision last year as we were filming the movie because a lot of this was still up in the open. And, the number one theater chain in America, AMC, looked like it was on the verge of insolvency, which could change the entire industry. It's just We just decided to put off all the distribution questions for now because of the uncertainty in the industry and just make the best movie that we can. But now that we're getting to the tail end of the making of the movie process, we're having these conversations. And you know me as a data guy, I'm looking at trends and numbers and those sorts of things. And I, I discovered something that I think has... I, potentially far-reaching cultural implications. And yet I want you guys to tell me if you think I'm making a mountain out of a molehill here, all right? So over this past weekend, The Batman was dethroned as the number one movie in America. It's only been out for three weeks, and it's already over 300 million domestic. Now, pre-COVID for a blockbuster film like this, that would have been, I mean, it's impressive, but kind of par for the course. There'd be like a half dozen movies that were certified blockbusters in a pre non COVID, uh, pre COVID year that would have had this kind of an earnings pace. Fair, okay. But for a movie to have this kind of an earnings pace without, with, without, with, in a in a post COVID world, and in a movie that's released during what is still cold and flu season in much of the country, that's an impressive haul. It's also three hours long. And it doesn't have an A-list star. Now, I suspect Robert Pattinson's about to become one, but he would not have been considered an A-list star probably prior to this. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Well, it was dethroned this past weekend as the number one movie in America. And to me, it's the movie that dethroned it that I think sends a message. The new number one movie in the country is Sandra Bullock's romantic comedy adventure which looking at the trailer to it just seemed do you remember romancing the stone of course with michael douglas and kathleen taylor or turner back in the day it's a classic Classic. it looks to me like just a reboot of that a a remake of that um eddie grant romancing the stone yeah and wasn't danny devito the villain or was maybe that the sequel he was the villain and i can't remember he's in both is he in both okay so this the lost city is Sandra Bullock's new starring vehicle. And it dethroned the Batman as the number one film in America. Now, here's why I think this is an important cultural indicator. What also was going on last weekend? Uh, What, basketball? The NCAA tournament. yeah. Yeah. Who's the target audience for The Lost City? Well, not guys sitting at home watching <laughs> yeah. basketball. Yeah. The target audience here are women. And let's be honest, probably not a lot of 
non-white women. I mean, the, 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 the target audience here is white suburban women. Mm-hmm. They're the target audience for this film. And there have been other movies that they we have tried that they have tried to release. I mean, Spielberg putting out a modern remake of West Side Story. If that's not a film made specifically for white suburban women, I don't know what is, right? It flopped. Despite great reviews, I think it was even nominated for Best Picture. Um, it flopped at the box office. Karen was not ready to go back to the movies just a few months ago over Christmas time. But now, Karen is like, man, fine. Karen could not say no to Sandra Bullock and Brad Pitt and the Magic Mike dude whose name I can't ever remember who also played in the G.I. Joe reboot. Who am I thinking of? Yeah. It's not coming to me either. Um, he was in 21 Jump Street with Jonah Hill. It's amazing. I can remember several of these movies I've not even seen. I just I just know he was in these films. I can't remember his name. I, you know I saw the G.I. Joe remake. <laughs> I did see that one. Anyway, Karen could not resist. Flocked to the theaters. All the audience surveys show overwhelming majority of the audience for this film Female. Gentlemen, can we now say officially, at least for now until he needed again to try to win the next election by stealing it, at least for now, for the foreseeable future, does this development confirm Has Karen finally decided she's had enough of this brand of safetyism? Even she's got to get out of the house. COVID stand is finally over. Thoughts? Well, you know, right around the corner, we are about to fight the the fourth booster wars, right? Begun the fourth booster wars have. Yes. So, no. We can we can never say that as long as that's not put to rest. But listen, they need Channing Tatum was the name Channing of the actor whose name I couldn't remember. Thank you, audience. Yes, but, but they need. You know, it's like th- this is their this is their holy war. These these are their crusades. And but they so need, this is their shore leave. Is this is that, is that what you're going to say? say? This is their little R and R. Yes, that's the best we can hope for. Aaron, what are your thoughts? I was going to say, like, this is their, like, conjugal visit uh, of some some degree as they are trapped within their own, the, the prison of their own making. But, um, yeah, no, it's never over. It's never over for Karen. There will be the next new thing someday, somehow. Now, how long this shore leave is, I don't know. Maybe they'll mingle with the natives for a while before they go on their conquest again. Maybe that's what this ends up being. COVID stan, the acute, I've said this before, the acute aspects of COVID stan are over this year. The acute aspects. What do you, what do I mean by acute aspects? The aspects that impact us the most. 
So whether or not we get to go to movies without masks, whether or not we get to go to this without a vaccine passport or that uh, without a vaccine uh, or jab passport, those aspects, by and large, for most of us who just want to kind of be want to live and let live or live and be left alone are for the most part over. Now, I will say, I don't know how much you guys have been out and about and in stores and such. I've seen a huge uptick in masks the last week. Uh, I'm sorry, the last month or so. I don't know if you guys have noticed this as well. Going to, uh, took Ben to the mall the other day. I've been to uh, Hy-Vee, our, our big grocery stores chain here, multiple times. I've seen more masks than I have for probably the last four, five, or six months. I don't know what that means. I don't know if the COVID, uh, the, the branch Covidians are doubling down because they see their their grip on power waning at this point, but... Overall, is it a sign that another layer of people are coming out of their homes, maybe? It c- yeah, I think that's it. Is that what it is? I don't. I'm done. There's two <laughs> years into this, and they're just... See, I'm I, done. I, that's what I, I know you're probably... I think that's right. what it is. I think another layer of people are now tepidly coming out of their homes. Are you kidding? And they can't take the training wheels off. Yes. Oh, man. So, here's the thing, though. See, I don't think like any of these Karens wore a mask to this movie. None of them did. I'm going to go over under 20% of Karens who went and saw the lost city in a theater anywhere in America were wearing a mask. Oh, I'd say under. Yeah. Not much under, but I'll say under. Yeah. And I, I and that would mean at least 80% of them. But weren't. remember the, the lot you, and you did this great throughout the lockdowns and the masks were always, heck, we used it. I mean, I've, the fact that the term has been anointed and I feel proud of the role I played in that, but the grooming culture, mm-hmm. well, that's what we, everybody was groomed. Yes. Yeah. COVID yep. stand was not a, it was not an outlier. It yes. was a harvest that shows and it's proven yes. and how quickly this is instantaneously yes. flipped over on the Ukraine and everything else. That a not insignificant segment of Western society has been groomed for total compliance to whatever the spirit of the age says is the new thing. And lockdowns and masks were tools. Those were permanence with both of those on a large scale, not possible indefinitely. But that vaccine, that needle jet, we we've seen the pictures. You you Steve, the three of us, we've and much of our audience, we've been part of amazing spiritual uh, moments in our life. You've testified about them on mm-hmm. how they changed their lives, how we felt the indwelling of the spirit. Well, those that's the problem with the Vex. It was building towards this and we're taking selfies of the needle jabbing into their small child's arm, even though that child is in less danger from this than the flu. This, I mean, it is their crusade. It is their religion. And that's why the care, that's your important about maskless. Yeah, most of them are maskless. Oh, but they were wearing a mask of sorts and they're never, ever going to take it off. And it has to do with, uh, they're, they're, they're never going to put down the vaccine crusade ever. I, I think you're right about that particular segment of society, but I think going forward, I mean, there the, to everything there, to every action, there is an equal an opposite reaction, right? I mean, 
that's not the case anymore because Burger King's financially on hard times. But pretty much anywhere in America, you could find if there was a McDonald's nearby, a Burger King would be very far behind, right? Um, much of the most, many of the most successful demonic deceptions and pursuits are bastardizations of godly things. It works the other way, though, too. And, and I think we are now heading into an undiscovered country when it comes to the issue of, of vaccines and public health and prescription drugs is, is, I think, an entirely new layer of Americans. Is, is, is committedly skeptical of just taking anybody's word for it on this now with the right um, the right title, the right quote-unquote expertise off the basis of the last 24 months. Healthcare professionals are, are being forced to and will be into the foreseeable future to answer questions that they probably haven't even had to contemplate answers to in the past because it was just, it was just presumed that this would be accepted hand-to-mouth. You agree with that? No, well... From your lips to God's ears, I hope so. I mean, we're going to see the data. When it breaks down first booster to uh, second and third, if there's not a precipitous change in behavior based on everything we know, then um, God help us all. Because there's never been a more obvious, glaring warning side in all of medical history than what we've seen. Your wife works in healthcare, Aaron, so you're around the system. You Mm -hmm. agree with what I just said or not? I would say overall, yeah, but I, I just, because we have been, we, I'm, I'm saying collectively, this this country has been groomed for something like this, you know, I, I think the birth pangs might just get closer and closer together. Now, we may be in, we may be in a long pause from whatever the next, you know, whatever the next iteration of the current thing is, as the meme goes, we may be in a long pause or relatively long pause. I think the point that Todd and I are trying to make is that it's just, it's always under the surface. It's it's almost like a Lyme disease infection. You know, you can actually, you can live a pretty normal life if you get treatment for that. It's always under the surface though, and it can always prop up. Same with a lot of chronic diseases, because it is, we are fundamentally dealing with a chronic disease called progressivism. So we might be in between uh, current things right now, and that's a good thing, and I think that makes a lot of people happy, but it's just, it's sitting there, somewhat mm-hmm. dormant, ready to strike whenever the whenever the emergency, uh, whenever the emergency strikes next. All right, we've got fake news or not coming up here at the top of the next hour, and... We're going to begin by featuring something, uh, the kind of clip that we never have in the history of doing this segment over the last few years. Um, This kind of clip has never, ever been featured or discussed. We're going to do it for the very first time for Fake News or Not. When we come back for hour two and more here, stay tuned on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. 
He is Aaron McIntyre. Let us know what you think about what we think. You can email the show, steve at stevedace.com. Look for my name, Steve Dace, on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Getter and Twitter as well. And get clips of the show free of censorship and free to watch at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. If you are a podcast listener, that's a sizable portion of our audience. Thank you. We appreciate each and every one of you, especially if you leave us a five-star review. Hit the subscribe and follow button. Thanks to each and every one of you. The thousands of you that have done that for the program already, we appreciate each and every one of those. This portion of the show brought to you by the Z-Stack. You know, we were just discussing in the last segment the the increasing and I think justified skepticism of public health after the last couple of years. And if they've taught us anything over the last couple of years is that you cannot trust public health with your health exclusively. You at least got to have some baseline of information so you know what questions to ask, but then also some baseline of preventative medicine and health at work in your own life uh, to take uh, responsibility rather than outsourcing your health to a sick care system. And that's where ZStack comes in. Uh, this originally was born out of pushing back on COVID-19 with the vitamin C, D, quercetin, uh, and zinc that has been proven to work uh, as effective cocktails for early treatment uh, in previous iterations. But now, just in case they release more variants, um, uh, uh uh, more uh, 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 strains evolve and show themselves is what I meant to say. Sorry. Uh, or um, for flu variants as well. Now it's all in one compound. All right. From our from our friend, uh, Dr. Vladimir Zelensky, who or Zelenko, I should say. Sorry, Ukraine on the brain. Uh, even for me, uh, Dr. Zelenko was key in creating one of the first hydrox- successful hydroxychloroquine protocols in the treatment of COVID-19. And if you want to try it now, get a discount on your first order with the promo code DACE when you go to zstacklife.com slash DACE. Z as in zebra for zstacklife.com slash DACE. Use the promo code DACE for that discount the first time around. All right, guys, let's get to fake news or not. And I have selected a series of clips that have been in the news recently. And then you guys, of course, after upon watching them, will determine whether you think they are fake news or not. This first clip is about, I think, about five minutes long, Aaron, I believe. Yeah, I, sh- I, I cut it down a little bit, but I got the pertinent parts. Okay. So three, four minutes. Okay. We, this is unique. We have never, ever featured a clip like this ever in the history of fake news or not. An acceptance speech at an award show. Richard Williams um, was a fierce defender of his family. In this time in my life, in this moment, I am overwhelmed by what God is calling on me to do and be in this world. Making this film, I got to protect Ingenue Ellis, who was one of the most, the strongest, most delicate people I've ever met. 
I got to protect Sanaya and Demi, the two actresses that played Venus and Serena. I'm being called on in my life to love people and to protect people and to be a river to my people. Now I know to do what we do, you gotta be able to take abuse, you gotta be able to have people talk crazy about you. In this business, you gotta be able to have people disrespecting you. And you gotta smile and you gotta pretend like that's okay. But Richard Williams, and what I loved, thank you, D. Denzel said to me a few minutes ago, he said, at your highest moment, be careful, that's when the devil comes for you. It's like, I want to be a vessel for love. I want to say thank you to Venus and Serena. I just spit. I hope they didn't see that on TV. Um, I want to say thank you to Venus and Serena and the Tyre Williams family for entrusting me with your story. That's what I want to do. I want to be an ambassador of that kind of love and care and concern. Um, I want to apologize to the Academy. I want to apologize to my, all my fellow nominees. Um, This is a beautiful moment, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crying for winning a, an award. It's not, it's not about winning an award for me. It's about being able to shine light on all of the people, Tim and, and Trevor and Zach and Sanaya and Demi and Ingenue and the entire cast and crew of King Richard and Venus and Serena, the, the entire Williams family. But love will make you do crazy things. Fake news or not. I need to pretend this is Friday and take a hold. I don't know yet. It could be both. And it could be both, especially on if it's true news, it could be on an incredible level. I, if people have eyes to see and ears to hear, here's what this is. This, the reactions to this is very all over the map. And it's, some of it is absurd. But a lot of people saw one of the most real th- in Hollywood, everything scripted, staged about their lives all the time. And increasingly all of our lives too. That was an incredibly raw and real moment that people saw. And people don't even know what to do with it. I think when they're to- when, when the Denzel makes his quote 
about uh, what the devil does. People, people applaud in that moment. And I, I don't know if they're applauding Denzel, if they're applauding the devil. If, if they, they even know what they're they, applauding. If they know. Yeah. Uh, but they they needed, uh, possibly they needed at that moment to, to, to acknowledge there is a devil. There is a good and evil. And I'm leaning hard right now in this moment, not fully understanding. I'm choosing good and, and giving this guy the benefit of the doubt he's such a deeply deeply wounded and broke my wife and i had a great conversation about this today he on the one hand you have if his life is what people say it is for the last at least the last four years where his wife may be holding him hostage in some way shape or form and if and he's saying love makes you do crazy things notions of love and i am protecting your family if he's been trying to keep this thing together his love of his life he's been married a long time to this woman Mm -hmm. if he's been trying to duct tape somehow maybe not making all the best decisions himself but knows this is important to keep this together but feels weak all the time doing it and then here he is at the oscars where he's an a-list celebrity and made millions of dollars making great movies that all of his love he just made another one my family loved that movie king richard was one of the best movies i saw last year he knows he's about to win an oscar where he feels strong all the time. And those two worlds collided. His ultimate weakness and his ultimate strength. And he just exploded. And I, Chris Rock, I don't, whatever problems they have in the past, I doubt he was just waiting to pounce that night on Chris Rock. And I think he lost total control, which happens if you're living a lie all of the time. And it could happen to any of us. So if I may. I got to take a hold because I'm praying on this, that people open their eyes to Steve. Well, you're talking about true masculinity and our duty to one another. That poll that just happened to come out in light of this, that you highlighted on the show today about what true femininity is Mm -hmm. and and who we are truly called as people of God. He's talking about God. He's talking about love. Are we really going to finally define those terms of what it means? Are we going to stop abusing him and being lazy with them? It's an, there's a reason people are talking about it because something happened that was off script and no one quite knows what to do about it, but they feel like they've got to get answers that they've been ignoring in the past. That's my prayer. Excuse me. So I, I'm kind of where Todd is. I'm, you know. I'm not, I, I'm at a, you know, fake news or not, I've said this before, I'm at an or, <laughs> you know, kind of somewhere in between. I think there were, there were, I muted so many people on Twitter yesterday, more than I ever have. Back in 2020, um, I'm not really sure lockdowns are a good idea. A lot of people, even on the right, said, uh, OMG, you want grandma to die. Uh, March this year, fast forward 2022, March 1st through the 27th. I don't think we should get involved in Ukraine. OMG, you want to have Putin's babies. Now for the last uh, 36 hours or so, you know, generally speaking, whether or not this was, um, you know, the right move at the right time for Will Smith and and what went down there or right at all, uh, I think it's generally good 
to have more aggressive men uh, and, and try to pull that back rather than just complete passivity. Here, here. OMG, you hate Jesus and you want men to go on uh, violent rampages. I, I'm, I'm sick of the demagoguery. I'm sick of that. So let me lay this out with that as the preface. Lay this out in somewhat of a vacuum. Somewhat of a vacuum. Our lives don't take place in a vacuum. I understand that. What I'm trying to do is isolate. Isolate what we're really talking about here. To remove the noise. Trying to do that uh, as best as we possibly can. The conclusion in real life might be different than the one in the vacuum. But nevertheless... The reaction that I've seen to Will Smith, the reaction that I've seen to what you believe, which is slightly different from what I believe was really taking place here, slightly, ever so slightly, a lot of people, a lot of people, how many times, Steve, I don't even know if you've gone through your comments, I have. You know, I rarely do. And I know you rarely do. How many times have you seen, tell me in the Bible... Tell me in the Bible where it's okay for somebody to use violence. I just did a message last night on Nehemiah 13 where he literally just spends an entire chapter whooping people's asses, actually. But go ahead. First of all, phrasing the question like that is is a bit of a non sequitur. Um, Secondly, those very same people I've noticed are the ones who are the quickest to point out Will Smith's flaws. And they may be flaws and they may be huge and they they may be it may be some degree of hypocritical here. But I'm wondering. You know, we've all seen in our own lives, none of us here live in Hollywood, obviously, haven't really even spent much time in Hollywood. So we've seen in our own lives real people. Whose marriages have struggled she feels beaten down or like she's locked out, locked out. He feels abused, neglected, abandoned, whatever, whatever the case is. What would our reaction be if that same couple from Podunk, USA, from out in the suburbs, USA, what would our reaction be then? If in a, in a moment like that, some dude goes up and calls your wife a whore to your face, and that same couple that's struggling with their marriage, the dude lashes out, and then he asks for a tearful apology later, what would your reaction be then? I'm not saying this is genuine. That's not what I'm trying to say. I, I, I think the bigger story to me, anyway, is not really what happened with Will Smith and, and Chris Rock. The the real story here is the way we're reacting. I, the way a, a lot of people I've seen have reacted. Devoid of grace. Devoid of reason. The number of people who lack reading comprehension on some of the things that I've said. Trying to make straw men out of what you, you've said as well, Steve. I mean, that is legion. What would our reaction be if this was a different scenario with uh, little people, the poors, uh, if you if you will, 
what would our reaction be if this was a different scenario? I don't think we'd be nearly as quick. I don't think we'd be nearly as quick to condemn. Condemn. And I don't mean in a, uh, I condemn violence, condemn your soul type of way that I've seen so many people do. So that's a really long-winded answer. But to me, the story is no longer about Will Smith and, and Chris Rock. It's about the reaction uh, to them. And it's sad. So we have other clips. I'm just going to warn you now we're not getting into them because I have a few things I want to say about this in light of what you two have said. Um, I had no idea what you guys were going to say. We, we did not discuss this ahead of time, and that was on purpose. Which is usually how we do everything. Yeah, because I like visceral reactions. And I was already thinking this way, watching it myself. But then after hearing what you two had to say, I, I, I feel like there's something I need to say to all of you within the sound of my voice right now. And I, and I want you to know I'm going to say this to you because I love you and I love our creator. And one more disclaimer. The people, well, I, we don't know the hearts of each and every individual person. I mean, Denzel Washington has bucked the Hollywood trend and talking point on numerous fronts throughout the course of his career, okay? But collectively, the gathering in that room has rightfully earned your scorn. Fair? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We can't condemn in, in, each and every individual person there, but collectively as an entity, the gathering in that room has rightfully earned your scorn. In fact, they have sought it out. I don't want to hide from that. They haven't just done so passively. They have actively sought to scorn you. They have, they've solicited it. So I don't want whatsoever to make it sound as if I don't understand that. I don't recognize it. I've been living this in my own life for the last going on two years making this movie. We even made the determination. It wasn't just what I said last hour about the uncertainty in the theatrical industry about why we did not decide to sign with a major studio for distribution. But there was another factor. And that other factor was if we did so now, they would try to step in and tell us, well, water that down, put this person in the film. And we thought, hey, once we've got the movie made, it is what it is and they can't touch it. I mean, I've been living this in a very first-person sense. Guys who've won Academy Awards, we discussed playing nefarious with, okay? I mean, I, I have lived this in a very real sense. And then he came back and asked us, his people did, to water the script down, okay? I, I, so, I get it. I get it. I get it as one of you. Politically, culturally, I get it. I get it professionally, because my company's invested millions of dollars of its capital into the making of this film and its production from the ground floor up. So I've seen it at a level beyond just what we see from the outside and with headlines. I've, I've seen it up close. I get, all, I, get, I get it. All of, it's, all of it is deserved. All of it is deserved. You can probably sense though a butt is coming, right? 
Probably the biggest butt of all time. Probably the biggest butt of all time. But I am concerned at how quickly many of us saw that and rooted against it being real. And by us, you mean, I think, specifically Christians, don't yes. you? Yeah. That's the biggest butt of all yeah. time. We're yeah. called to a different purpose. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about that. It is one thing to be wise as a serpent. It is another thing to have a hardened heart. We aren't permitted to have our hearts hardened. We are not without sin. Jesus says the standard to even look on a woman is the is like committing lust of the heart. And it's out of the heart the mouth speaks. It's what's on the inside of the cup that taints you, not on what's on the outside. Which means essentially, unless you're blind or a special form of pious, you have at some point with your eyes and with your desires betrayed your marriage. Because you're human. God knew all the times in advance of you getting married that you would be disappointing as a wife and a husband. And let's not make it look like this is a rare feat even within the church. My wife's therapy clinic doesn't... They've got 70 people, I think she said, on staff. They don't have... Between therapists and and, and assistants and everything else, they can't handle the workload in Des Moines, Iowa, guys. Where overall, life's been pretty free here for the last few years compared to everywhere else. And yet God knew in advance the times you would disappoint your spouse, betray your spouse, let them down, the times you would do this to your children, put things ahead of them that don't need to be and shouldn't be. And yet he granted you, knowing in advance as God, that you would you would fall in these areas. He still granted you the grace to experience the heights of the love that comes from these relationships nevertheless. He didn't have to do that. We cannot, guys, we cannot become hard-hearted. And that is coming from the guy that has spent the last couple of years telling you to grow a set and stand up for what you believe in. One of the things I said at the talk I gave on Nehemiah 13 to this church in Michigan last night is the confrontation, the violence, the outrage, the anger, all of the things Nehemiah displays in this final chapter are all motivated, though, by a love and zealotry for God. It's not he's throwing a tantrum. It's not, I left you guys alone for five minutes here and look what happened. He is a he is a fearful of again provoking the wrath of God. That's why they were kept put in captivity in the first place. They had done so, but then secondly, he also doesn't want to offend a God that gave them another chance that he didn't have to, gave them grace and mercy that he didn't have to give that they were not entitled to. I don't. 
don't know if that thing's sincere or not. I don't know. I don't know Will Smith at all other than what I've seen on TV and film. Here's what I know, though. That wasn't about him. Almost that entire talk was about how his desire to serve other people. How many times did he mention repeatedly the other members of the cast? It wasn't about him. Now, hey, man. When the guy named Saul who was holding your tunic last week when they were trying to stone you to death yep. knocks on the door and says, hey, I'm one of you now. Let me in. I'm not saying you instantly make him an elder and put him at the front of the line. Okay. And they didn't. Peter and the rest of the apostles made him wait like three years before they gave him that level of preeminence. But you know what they also didn't do here? What, what did they also not do? What did they also not do? Your Push cuck, him away, Paul. Kill him, yep. Shun him. Yes, they didn't do that either. They didn't say God couldn't possibly be at work through such a creature. Why? Because Peter was an uneducated fisherman who denied his Lord three times. And yet he knew that God would still, was still working through him. Thomas says, I won't believe unless I can put my hands through the scars themselves. Just as we need more courage, we need a little more humility. Any movement that roots against that being true, I'm not saying it, it's not true, but any movement that roots, or that it is, any movement, though, that roots for it to not be true, doesn't want it to be, won't give it the opening that it could be, I don't want any part of that. And it has no hope of succeeding. None. God will not bless such hard-heartedness. Will not. You are not your own. You were bought at a high price. And the Greek word there is redeemed. Meaning the purchaser paid the price. So you didn't because you couldn't. Of all the places on earth, this is the most, in that room is also maybe Combine the sing- most singular influence in all of American cultures in that room at the same time. Is there, an, is there another room in America that more needs to hear and receive that message? Could we assemble any room more needing of that message if we tried? No, we couldn't. Now, I don't know if it's true or not. But I'm going to be the Gamaliel here. He's the Pharisee, the respected one that Paul learned from. That he says to the, his fellow Jewish elders in the book of Acts, I don't know if this, these men are being honest or not. I don't know if this Jesus has risen from the dead to prove he's the Messiah or not. But here is what I do know. There is no point in continuing to persecute these people because if it is a movement of God, we can't stop it anyway. That's where I'm at. Why in the world would we root against that? Maybe it's nothing. But we had that conversation about if you're Elon Musk, man, why would you build your own Twitter? Just walk in and buy that one and kick them out. Kick the devil out. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Got to have a little more power and resources than Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah. A little more. 
Again, maybe it's nothing, man. Maybe the guy just felt bad because he embarrassed himself on TV. I, I don't know. Here's what I do know, though. I'm not going to root against it being real. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to be called home and have, and have my Lord, I got enough sins to answer for that I should know better than to want and to indulge. I'm not going to add to the list. And I rooted against someone truly being arguably the most famous celebrity in our entire culture. I rooted against him actually being a change agent because politics. I'm not going to do that. Not adding that blood to the, I'm not adding that red to the ledger. Don't become hard hearted. Because that's rooted in nothing worthy of conserving. Don't now become, there's nothing good that can come from Nazareth. Don't. And I will leave it there. You know, trying to sell your home in any environment can be challenging, but especially in these unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. Uh, that's why you want to make sure you go in with a real estate agent that you can trust. Where would you find them? Well, unfortunately, wherever you want to move to or from. Yeah, the real estate uh, brokers there don't have on the website power ratings of their agents. Right, they don't tell you, hey, stay away from this person. They don't tell you that, okay? So thankfully, though, there is a referral service started by Glenn Beck and some of his associates because they ran into real estate agents. They found out too late. They could not trust. They don't want that to happen to you. So they created the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. And sometimes, if not a lot of times, these agents comes right out of these, right out of this audience. And that's really where this grassroots effort began. And then it just kind of mushroomed from there to now a national referral service to just about anywhere you want to move to or from. We can find you an agent with a fully vetted track record of success at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Some breaking news here from uh, the state of Florida. St. Leo University has just published uh, in Florida, has just published a Florida gubernatorial poll. Here's its results. Against the highest name ID candidate in the race, former Florida Governor Charlie Crist, Ron DeSantis is up by 16 points. Against the Agricultural Commissioner, so a woman who's already won a statewide election in the state, he's up by 24 points. And against a woman I'd never heard of, uh, Annette Taddeo is her name, he is up by 19 points. Um, in a state... Recently, it, normally decided by what one, two, three points. Remember, he won this election by less than forty thousand yeah. votes in yeah. twenty eighteen. In the last forty years, the average margin of victory in a Florida presidential election has been two and a half points. I mean, this is incredible. Our next guest happens to live, I believe, now in the state of Florida. Finally, somebody smart will join the show. Our good friend Josh Hammer. Good to see you, brother. How are you, Steve? I'm doing well. Always a pleasure to join you, my friend. Congratulations on uh, your alma mater, there, Duke. I've got. I've got a I've got a not insignificant amount of money riding on them winning this thing because I bet them at like twenty to one uh, to win the whole thing in in Coach K Swan Song in the preseason. So I'm not sure I can bring myself to root for Duke, but if they do win this thing for the first time, I won't hate it. I just want you to know that. 
Well, I, I, it's music to my ears, Steve. I, I'm currently trying to figure out whether I can make it to New Orleans on Saturday. It, it, it might just be too tough, but I'm trying to figure it out. So uh, your odds are looking good. I mean, I saw some odds come in this morning from Caesars out in Vegas. Looks like we're the favorite of the four teams currently congregating in New Orleans. So, um, I, look, I mean, what an amazing end it would be to Coach K's career, obviously, to go out with title number six. That's for sure. I think the Michigan State game, and I said it on, I said it at the time, I think it did him a favor. I think they were – that's such a young team. They were crushing under the weight of – you know, ending Coach K's last season in style. I think you saw that in the ACC tournament. I think you saw that against Duke. But I think Michigan State came out. Michigan State, whether they're good or not, they will always punch you in the mouth. And I think getting up off the mat there, down by five with a couple of minutes left, and I said at the time, I thought that that would be a turnaround from them for them, and you've seen it now ever since. But let's talk about stuff our audience cares more about than Duke basketball, all right? Before we get to the reasons we, we originally booked you, I got to get your take on this St. Louis, St. Leo, Leo, I should say, university poll out of your home state and the latest on the gubernatorial race there. It should be noted this poll was conducted through March 12th, so about a week before the whole groomer stuff, um, the the groomer fracas uh, blew up. But there's already been polling on that that actually showed a majority of Democrats in the state don't want uh, their elementary school kids uh, sexually groomed in the schools either. But your thoughts on these uh, numbers, Josh? Look, I think what you see is what you get. Um, uh, whether it's Charlie, Chris, Nikki Freed, my expectation is that Governor DeSantis will absolutely cruise to re-election this fall. I, I, I have privately told friends that I'm, my best guess is an 8 to 10 point margin of victory. I mean, I guess the polling that we're seeing now indicates that it might even be bigger than that. I mean, there's probably a, a slight name ID differential. But I mean, Charlie, Chris is a pretty high name ID statewide in this state. So if, if Governor DeSantis is up by 16 points on him, look, I think this fall will probably be Florida's kind of coming out party. I mean, Florida for you know, 20, 30 years obviously has been an iconic purple state. It's been an iconic swing state right up there with Ohio as kind of probably the quintessential swing states in the United States. I think this fall will be Florida's coming out party as a solid red state. I mean, it won't be like a deep, deep red state like a Wyoming or an Oklahoma, but it is a, it's going to be a solid red state. It's probably kind of Texas-esque in that regard already. The the voter registration numbers reflect that. I mean, when Governor DeSantis took over, um, you know, uh, in early 2019 after the 2018 midterm elections that swept him into office, Democrats statewide had a massive, massive advantage in voter registration. I think it was hundreds of thousands. Republicans now in Florida have the edge. They there are more registered Republicans in Florida than Democrats. Our legislature is is dominated by Republicans. Our Supreme Court up in Tallahassee is very conservative. Is one of the most conservative state Supreme Courts in the country for that matter. So uh, look. All is all is well here in Florida, Steve. No complaints from my end, that's for sure. If you're looking for signs of providential um, action or favor, how about this? Ron DeSantis almost lost to a Democrat nominee who literally got busted doing cocaine off a gay hooker's ass. I mean, literally, literally, literally got busted doing that. And now he has set the spirit of the age on fire gone to war against Disney, all of Hollywood and everything else on anti-rainbow jihad indoctrination in the schools. And it might actually end up helping to fuel him to a far bigger win than almost anybody would have thought uh, was possible, given the demographics of the state, as you just cited. That is, as they say, come in full circle, Josh. 
No, it really is. I mean, look, in, in the 2020 election, you know, I, I, I was kind of flipping back and forth between Fox News and CNN. But all the cable shows were kind of focusing on Miami-Dade County, which is where I live. I live in Miami. And, you know, if you if you recall back in 2016 in the, in the Trump-Hillary Clinton election, Hillary won Miami-Dade County here by a huge margin. OK, so I think a lot of people thought that the Cuban-American vote – and by the way, it's actually not just Cubans here. I, I would live within walking distance of Little Havana, so there obviously is a huge Cuban presence here. But it's it's Colombians, Venezuelans, just all sorts of kind of Latin Americans here. I think a lot of people at that time were saying, oh, Florida is, is probably lost because there was that first generation of kind of Castro refugees that came here and they voted against the commies. But now the next generation is going to be Democratic. But in 2020, um, Trump lost Miami-Dade County, to be clear, but it was close. I think it was like a seven or eight-point margin of victory, which – for a, an urban, highly populated county mm -hmm. that is 70 percent Hispanic or whatever our county is, that's that's a big deal. OK, mm -hmm. so you kind of combine that, obviously, with just all the Californian refugees who are coming here and apparently seem to be voting the right way based on kind of what they've fled. It's difficult to not be optimistic about the future of Florida right now. Like you said, I mean, the, the recent polling shows that even Democrats here support the education bill that our governor has just signed into law here. So the media's scare campaign, the woke capital scare campaign with Disney, none of that is paying off. None of that is paying off whatsoever because the the, the Hispanic presence here, the, the, the Cubans, the Colombians, the Venezuelans, they are still pretty culturally conservative people. They are family-centric people, and they are not interested in the woke ideology, no matter how hard Disney and, and the, all the companies here are, are trying to make them care about it. Well, speaking of woke ideology, let's get to the latest Supreme Court nomination fight. And of course, uh, prior to being the op-ed page editor over at Newsweek, uh, you were involved in these circles. Uh, you clerked with, uh, I think, on the Federal Court of Appeals, if I recall. So you've got a unique uh, level of expertise here. But prior to Judge Jackson's hearings, what has commonly become and derisively uh, become known as Con Inc. was out in full force, uh, including somebody who's intellect I used to have a lot of respect for. Andrew McCarthy was on Fox News uh, deflecting for Judge Jackson. Uh, claiming that going after her for being soft on pedophile offenders was gaslighting, uh, unfair. Uh, it, it, it lacked nuance and understanding of how sentencing guidelines and these sorts of things work. And lo, lo, lo and behold, a guy that I used to work for, so I know him pretty well. And I, I know also Ted Cruz does not do things on a lark, even when it would politically benefit him to the frustration of his own staff. Trust me on this. He doesn't do things on a lark. If Ted Cruz cannot bring receipts, he won't go there, okay? Um, lo and behold, at her confirmation hearings, he brought the receipts on what the sentencing guideline... It was almost like he was responding directly to Andrew McCarthy and National Review and the way that he... And that crowd and the way that he framed his takedown of her. Uh, and he brought charts and visual aids. Some pretty appalling stuff, actually, uh, I thought is what uh, my former boss, Senator Cruz, uncovered. And what are your thoughts on that whole exchange? And, and, and really, again, why the eagerness to get out and deflect on behalf of a Biden judicial nominee? I, I get the fact if, if you think during the event you think the attacks are not warranted, but why would you want to preemptively run cover for her? What, what instinct causes that? So there's there's really a lot to unpack here. Um, so I was deeply disappointed in Andrew McCarthy's article. I, I consider Andrew McCarthy to be one of the sharper legal minds on the right. He was probably the single shrewdest commentator when it, on all things kind of Russiagate related for years and years. It's basically him and Lee Smith are probably the two prom most prominent and most accurate Russiagate commentators. 
So I thought that article that, that he wrote at National Review was deeply misguided. I was even more frustrated when I saw that article and I texted it to a, a prominent federal judge who's, who's a friend of mine. I, I will leave this judge nameless. Um, and, and then I was even I was even more distraught when this judge, contrary to my expectations, actually defended the article as well and said that that, that Senator Hawley was misguided. So I kind of got into it with the judge a little bit. Um, I, I, I can't tell you, Steve, I don't understand why this line of attack has set off so many people on our side. I actually just recorded a podcast earlier today. It's it's the NatCon Squad podcast that I do every week. And one of my three fellow co-hosts on that, my, my good friend Rachel Bovard, um, who's a prolific writer, of course, she was saying that when she was defending this, when she was kind of defending what Senator Hawley and Senator Cruz were doing, that the pushback that she got from conning, from National Review, from from um, all the various organs there, was literally probably the most intense backlash she has probably gotten from the right of center for anything she has written. Wow. Um. I don't know what to make of that. I yeah. don't know why that is the case here. I mean, like it, it is. It's is it just just tell me it's because she's black and they're that afraid of being looked at as racist? Because all, as bad as that justification is, all the other ones that I could contemplate, Josh, are actually worse than that. Yeah, I mean, that's probably right, Steve. I literally don't have a better guess. I mean, once upon a time, Republicans were the party of the family. Republicans were the party that wanted to drastically limit or ideally just ban pornography. I mean, the notion – and Republicans back in the back in the day before the rise of the horrific kind of Soros-Coke bipartisan criminal justice reform movement, back in the day, you know, as our friend Daniel Horowitz likes to remind us time and time again, we were the tough-on-crime party. We supported – long and rigorous sentencing for the worst of the worst offenders in society. And if you're going to look in the eye and tell me that pedophiles and child pornographers are not the worst of the worst, then I just don't know what to tell you here. Now, some of the apologists are trying to make this distinction, and I, it, to their credit, it is a legally relevant distinction. Okay, I will grant them that premise. A distinction between manufacturing or producing child pornography or, you know, quote unquote, merely possessing it. Now, obviously, the latter should be sentenced lower than the former. That doesn't mean that the latter should not carry a serious, serious sentence here. And some of the other apologists basically say that Congress has failed to update the sentencing guidelines since the 1980s. We've seen the proliferation of the Internet and the Internet has made pornography that much more accessible. So, so many, so many more people can access child porn today than they could back when the sentencing guidelines were last reformed back in the 80s or the 90s, whenever they were last reforms here. Th that does not speak to me whatsoever here. If I have to lock up more people for possessing child porn because technology and the internet have changed, well, you're damn well right I'm going to do yeah. that. Yeah, okay, will, what's the I, problem I, then? Exactly, yes. Exactly, like what is the problem here? Like, like seriously, like what is the issue here? Um, the other thing here is that, you know, Senator Hawley and Senator Cruz are both former Supreme Court clerks, okay? Senator Hawley clerk for the Chief Justice, um, uh, and Senator Cruz clerk for the former Chief Justice, William Rehnquist. The, the, these are very, very bright lawyers here, okay? And they're not going to do something drastically cynical that would go against their principles, go against their years and years of accumulating knowledge, constitutional principle, legal acumen, all of that. So if they are both saying this, then uh, I'm sorry, but they are right. And Andy McCarthy, uh, who, again, I generally very respect, I think that he is wrong on this. Final thing before we let you go, I got about a minute here. Should we, yet again, Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, right before the weekend, side with the uh, court's leftist once more? Should we just have let Brett Kavanaugh, just left him to the wolves when we had the chance? <laughs> um, 
I, 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 I'm not sure I follow that logic entirely, Steve, to be honest with you. I, I mean, you're saying that we should have gone and not Actually, the assignment. question has no logic. It's just fully, completely grounded in anger. It's without logic. I, no, look, I, I, I mean, like, I'm not, uh, if, 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 if you recall, it was September 2018. The midterm elections were coming up there. It wasn't clear what would happen in, in, in the balance of the Senate, obviously, right? So we kind of had to rush the nominee through. But suffice it to say that Kavanaugh and Barrett have been highly disappointing. Uh, that's putting it mildly. And Neil Gorsuch has not been amazing either, by the way. Um, no, he's, he's been just been better. clearly better than the other two, but he's, he's yes, not been exactly. amazing. Yeah, I agree. Exactly. Yeah, and you're right. You brought the timing of what was going on there uh, in the political crunch time. I hadn't thought about that because, again, I'm just angry. So I'm, there's no logic. There's just anger. Good to see you again, no, my it's friend. Right, it's righteous indignation. Yeah, no, good to see you, Steve, as right, always. Of you bet. Take care. Josh Hammer, uh, op-ed page editor over at Newsweek. Uh, really smart dude. Thoughts on that conversation or any of the conversations we've had here so far today before we get out of here? we got a couple of minutes left. Well, it was, uh, just there's so much to talk about with a guy like Josh. Uh, what I really... <laughs> wanted to follow up with him on is broadly speaking how did she perform relative to his expectations i mean he's familiar with her on a level that most of us aren't mm-hmm. because like i said my i did not expect that level of train wreck coming from her like that was kamala energy coming from her yes but it's not, it wasn't as socially awkward you know what i'm saying so like to me i took it as oh she's just no she's just lying like with kamala you really think that this Lack of sincere depth is not insincere. In and of itself, it is sincere. Like there is no depth there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You get the sense with this with Judge Jackson. So, there's definite depth there. She just knew she had to turn it off. You just can't have nice things. <laughs> you said the best case scenario is just lying through her teeth to yes, us. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, I I would say, and this is a high, high, high bar, but uh, in my entire life, there has not been a political figure with appreciable power more disappointing than Amy Coney Barrett. We knew what we were getting with Kavanaugh, but Amy Coney Barrett has been, I mean, it's not just a disappointment. It's, um, it's uh, treacherous. It's uh, traitorous. Yeah, it is. It, it really is on so yeah. many levels. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think I might have, um, to some degree, made a little bit of a of an idol about the idea of her, and she does have an, an inspirational story. Her family is inspirational and as, is something to be aspired to. But she's terrible as a jurist, you know. At the at the end of the day, I don't really care about her family's so, story if she's saying, eh, "Yeah, you can you can fire." Uh, U.S. Navy SEALs, the tip of the iceberg of our special forces, if they don't want to take your experimental jab. And I mean, and she clerked for Scalia. Did, did, did she just she cover she her eyes and her ears that entire time? For, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to stick around and tape over time for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you manana. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.